So we are on part three of our commandments. And for those of you that haven't been here, we've been working through the commandments one by one. So the first week we found that the Ten Commandments are still valid for today. Amen. Are they still relevant? Of course they are, aren't they? And then the second week we took a look and we serve a God that has delivered us out of bondage. Amen. Praise the Lord. He Just like he freed the Israelites from bondage and being slaves, he's freed all of us or offers freedom from all of us from slavery as well. And I know that he still does that. Amen. So as long as God is still in the business of freeing people from bondage, the Ten Commandments are still going to be valid. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. <clears throat> and what we have been finding is that in the Ten Commandments, every commandment is a guideline to keep us from bondage, right? God has saved us from that. And now he's going to keep us out. Amen. You know, it's one thing to follow God for a few months, but we've all known people and maybe we've been that person ourselves where we're on fire for the Lord for about a month, two months, three months, even maybe a year. And then that faith in God slowly starts to waver a little bit. And then pretty soon we slide back to where we were. But praise the Lord that he's patient. Amen. And that he's long suffering. And he wants to have that relationship with us, doesn't he? And today we're going to be finding that this commandment, the third commandment, is as well one of those suggestions. So I'm going to read you a text here from Acts, and I'm not going to tell you where it is. I'm going to kind of throw you in the middle of the story, then we're going to come back later, okay? In the book of Acts, this is what it says. We have Paul and Silas. Following after Paul and us, she began crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High, who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days. But Paul was greatly what? Annoyed. Now, doesn't that sound a little bit odd? We have here a woman who is following Paul and Silas through a great town in Macedonia, by the way. And as Paul and Silas are going through the town, preaching the word of God, this woman is following them saying, These men know the truth. Amen. These men know the way of salvation. Now, Paul should have been rejoicing, you'd think, right? But instead, it said that Paul was greatly annoyed. We're going to come back and see why he was annoyed or grieved in just a few minutes. But let's take a look here at our scripture text for the day. Exodus chapter 20. Turn there with me again, if you would. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. Does it matter what comes out of our mouths? It does, doesn't it? A few months ago, we talked about what it is to complain. Does God love a complaining people? He still loves us, doesn't he? But we found, when we went back to the Old Testament, we found that when the people of Israel were complaining, and even the leadership of Israel were complaining and speaking harshly to each other, what happened to the Spirit of God there in the sanctuary? It picked up and it left. Today, we're also going to be talking about our language and speech a little bit, but it's a little bit deeper than just that. Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who taketh his name in vain. After freeing us from the bondage of idolatry, God continues to work upon a relationship by asking us a very simple request. Respect my name. Now, have you ever been around somebody? And I know a few of these people in my life, in my life, but have you ever been around somebody who just demands your respect? That person where you just are when you're when you're talking with that person, you may have had a rough day, but you come up to that man or that woman, whoever it may be, 
and you just know that you need to respect that person just from their presence. My grandfather was one of those people. And when I was a boy, I was a pretty rambunctious kid. And I could go do, do all this different mischief and all of that. But no, I came to my grandfather. I knew that I needed to respect him. He never disciplined me. He never did any of these things that normally would earn my respect. But when I came in his presence, I knew that I needed to respect him. But before you respect somebody, we always ask ourselves a question that's really relevant. Is this person worthy of my respect? Do you respect somebody who isn't worthy of your respect at all? You don't, do you? Now let me ask you this question. Is God worthy of your respect? Is God worthy of my respect? What do you think? Why do you think God is so worthy of our respect? Talk to me. Why do you think God is worthy of our respect? He's loving? Okay. Why else is God worthy of our respect? He cannot lie. We learned that last night, didn't we? Why else does God deserve our respect? Created us. He died for you. He does, doesn't he? If there is anybody or any being that has ever deserved respect, it's God, isn't it? If you would, turn with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 17 and verse 6. I praise the Lord for this verse. John 17 and verse 6. Here we find Jesus talking. And this is what it says. I have manifested. What does it mean to manifest? To make known, right? To magnify. I have manifested thy name unto the men which you gave me out of the world. Thine they were and thou gave them me and they have kept thy word. If we see Christ, Christ was a representation of who? His Father in heaven. Amen? When you look at Jesus, was Jesus someone that needed respect and deserved respect? Now, when children came to Christ, when tax collectors and idolaters and all of these sinful people came to Christ, was Christ an intimidating figure? He was to the Pharisees because they knew that they were wrong, right? But when Christ invited people into his presence, people felt loved. Amen. This isn't a respect of God out of fear but it's respect because of what God has done in our lives. Amen? Jesus came and He fulfilled what God is really like. He fulfilled God's character in every single instance of His life. Can you say amen to that? And because Christ came and fulfilled every instance of God's character, another verse came to mind that I had never read like this until this past few weeks. And we've read it before, and we've actually read it in the sermon series. But go back to Matthew, if you would. Go back to Matthew. We spent some time on this a little while ago. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17 says this. This is Jesus talking, the Sermon on the Mount here. Think not that I am come to destroy the law. Did Christ come to destroy the law? He didn't, did he? But look what it says. Or the prophets, I came not to destroy, but to what? To fulfill it. A lot of people say, and we've talked about this before, that since Christ fulfilled the law, the law is no longer relevant, right? But I believe what Jesus is saying here is this. If you want to see a life 
that has truly kept the commandments of God and fulfilled what a, a commandment-keeping Christian should be, that's Jesus. Amen? If you wonder what it would be like if we kept all the commandments all the time, that's Christ. Amen? And did Christ live a successful life? He did, didn't he? I want to be like Jesus. Amen? I want to be like Christ. But there's a difference between Christ and me. I've already blown it, haven't I? I know that you have too. And because I've blown it already, I struggle with this nature, that carnal nature, right? That wants to do things against the law. So the only way that I'm going to be able to keep the law of God is through Jesus Christ. Amen? And as we saw, the law of God, and I'm going to say this over and over and over again, the law of God and the love of God are synonymous. Amen? If we bring ourselves in accordance and alliance with God, then we're going to bring ourselves in accordance with the commandments as well. Amen? Isn't that a beautiful picture? If we become like God, in essence, we're going to be keeping His commandments through Him. So do you think that God is worthy of our respect? If you look in Revelation, you see it says ten thousands upon ten thousands of angels, which simply means a lot, right? All of the angels of the universe say, Thou art worthy, O Lord, right? To receive glory and honor and power. The 24 elders join in with this as well. Every unfallen creature in this universe knows that God is to be respected. Amen? But it's only us that are fallen. It is only us that have come away from God's plan that seem, it is, that seem like it is a good thing to profane the name of God. Now, when we read that third commandment there, normally we think, don't take the name, don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, simply means not to use profanity or not to swear. And it does include that, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But there is so much more than just using profanity that this, that this verse is talking about. Did you know what the word profanity came, comes from? If you looked at my Facebook yesterday, you know what it is. Profanity comes from two Latin roots and suffixes, and pro means in front of, right? We all know that. Pro means in front. Do you know what fanity means? The temple or the sanctuary, a place where holiness dwells. Isn't that something? Profanity means in front of the place that God lives. That's thought-provoking, isn't it? When we take the name of the Lord our God in vain, which so many people do these days, and I believe Christians do as well, which we're going to get to in just a minute, we are doing that before the throne of God himself. Now, it never makes sense to profane the name of God, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. I'll tell you why. If you're a believer in God, it's a dangerous thing to profane his name, isn't it? We just read that in Exodus 20. The Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. So if you are a believer in God and you believe that he exists, it is a dangerous thing to profane his name. But if you don't believe there's a God and you profane his name, then you're illogical. Does this make sense? If you don't believe there's a God, then why would you profane the name of somebody that doesn't even exist, right? It never makes sense to profane the name of God. But also, there is a reason, and I was reading a little bit of this on the internet this week to make sure I was correct. There is a reason that in the business world, or that in, in proper places, and in, in, in interacting with money and things of that nature, where businessmen come together, there's a reason why profanity is improper. Do you know why? When somebody uses that, those words, 
their intelligence level is looked at a little bit lower. Do you know that? When people use profanity over and over and over again, people think, well, they're not as bright as I thought they were. But when Christians speak, brothers and sisters, God wants us to speak with a pure language. Amen? We, we see this in Zephaniah. Good luck finding that one. Zephaniah. It's right after Habakkuk, if you want to turn there with me. Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, and then you'll get to Zephaniah. Zephaniah, chapter 3, starting in verse 9. Zephaniah, chapter 3, starting in verse 9. I love this right here. Zephaniah, chapter 3, and verse 9 says this. For then will I turn to the people a pure language, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve Him with one consent. How does God want us to speak? What kind of language does He want us to use? A pure language. And a pure language isn't one that just is abstinent from profanity, but pure language is also one that is honest. Amen? One that speaks the truth. In the Netherlands, right after the Dark Ages there in medieval times, the Anabaptists were just starting to come into prevalence and the Anabaptists, which we now today call Baptists, were there, and they were attacked a lot during that, that time in history. And the Baptists there, when they went to the Netherlands and they were making a name for themselves, they would come, and a lot of people didn't like them because they were taking business and there was politics and all these things, and they came to the king for help. And the king of the Netherlands said, I trust the Baptists because when they say yes, I can believe that their yes means yes. They are honest people. Praise the the Lord for that, amen. I want people to think when Garrett Morgan says this, then it's truth and you can go to the bank on it. I believe that should be for all of us as well, amen. We as Seventh-day Adventist Christians shouldn't just be known for keeping the Sabbath, but we should also be known for being honest people, amen. God wants all of our language, not just the abstinence from profanity, but he wants us to be truthful as well. Let's go to another verse here. Go to Jeremiah, right after the book of Isaiah in your Bibles. Jeremiah chapter 14. Jeremiah chapter 14 and verse 9. This gives a little bit of weight to the matter here. Jeremiah 14 and verse 9. Jeremiah 14, 9 says this, Why should you be as a man astonished? As a mighty man that cannot save, yet you, O Lord, are in the midst of us. You believe the Lord is in the midst of us today? Amen. Are in the midst of us, and we are called by what? By your name. Leave us not. Are we known, or are we called by Christ's name? We are, aren't we? We're called Christian people. We should be doing that justice. Amen. When, my, when I just left home, I was almost 18 years old when I left home. And my dad is one of those men that when I'm in his presence, I know he demands my respect. He demands my respect, excuse me. And I remember getting on the plane and I had my backpack and everything and I was just headed into the airport. And my dad is a very soft-spoken gentleman. And some of the last things he said to me when I was leaving home was this. Don't profane our name. Don't make my name look bad. My dad is a very, and I believe it's a good thing, it's a good type of a pride, 
my dad is very proud of the Morgan name because the Morgan name has been known for a while to be upright people. I think he was telling me when we went back in our family tree, and there hasn't been a divorce in the Morgan side of the family for going on six or seven decades. There has, and all these different things. Dad wanted to make sure that when I went out and spread my wings a little bit, that I would make sure that that name lived on as an honest name. And that pales in comparison to being called a Christian, doesn't it? I am proud to be called a Morgan, and I, and I, I, I tend to keep that name strong and pure. But being called a Christian is something far greater than that, isn't it? When you are called a Christian, you are a witness of God himself. Did you know that? That's a very weighty matter, isn't it? When people look at you, sometimes it's the only glimpse of God that they will ever see. We need to be pure witnesses, don't we? That's what this commandment means. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. When we profess to follow Christ, we should really follow Christ. Amen? Let's move on to another verse here. Go to Isaiah chapter 48. One book to your left. Isaiah chapter 48, starting here in verse 1. This one was a rebuke to me this week. Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 1. When Jesus was here on earth, we already discovered that Jesus was respected, right? Would Jesus have been respected if he said one thing and acted another way? He wouldn't, would he? Would Jesus have been respected if he would have done one thing and then in the corner with his buddies said profanity? He wouldn't have. Let's go here to Isaiah chapter 48, verse 1. Notice what it says. Hear this, O house of Jacob, which are called by the name of Israel, and are come forth out of the waters of Judah, which swear by the name of the Lord, and make mention of the God of Israel. They were telling people that God was real, but look what it says. But not in what? But not in truth, nor in righteousness. Verse 2. For they call themselves of the holy city, and stay themselves upon the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. These people were, these, these Jewish people were saying and swearing to people that their God was real. And they were saying that they were from Israel, which was the promised land, but yet when it came to righteousness and actions, were they being Christian people? They weren't, were they? How many of you believe Jesus is coming soon? Do you believe it? I believe he's right around the bend. You know one of the reasons why I think that? When people tell me, and I've heard this over and over and over again, but have you ever heard people say, you know, my grandfather believed that Jesus was coming too. You ever heard that? They've been saying that Jesus is going to come for hundreds of years. That just makes me know that Jesus is coming all the sooner because people aren't expecting it. That's what it says in Second Peter. But I believe that Jesus is coming soon. Amen? And if I profess that I am of heaven and I'm just a passing through this world, I should be acting like my citizenship is in heaven. Amen? Let's go to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. We're going to follow up on this story that I kind of just dropped you in the middle of. Why was Paul annoyed and grieved that this woman was witnessing for God? There's a very good reason. Some of you already know it. Acts 16 and verse 16. This was right after the baptism of Lydia, all right? 
And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, this is Paul and Silas, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination. Does God give us a spirit of divination sometimes? He does, right? But this is the wrong one. Met us, which brought her masters much gain by what? What's Sooth saying? Fortune telling, consulting with the dark side, right? Continuing on here. The same, this woman, followed Paul and us and cried saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Was she saying all the right things? She was, wasn't he? We should be saying praise the Lord. But why was Paul not happy about this? What do you think? Okay, what was that? The way she said it. I believe that the reason that Paul was upset about this was because she was saying all the right things, but because of her occupation, because of her actions, people were looking at God differently, weren't they? Because this woman was a soothsayer, people looked and said, well, she's saying the truth, but because she's of a soothsaying nature, God must not be the pure God that Paul and Silas are saying that he is. Because look down here at the next verse in verse 18. Because Paul let this go on for a while. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit. He didn't talk to the woman, but who did he talk to? Was this woman possessed? Sure sounds like it, doesn't it? So this spirit was saying out of this woman that God was real. Interesting. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out about the same hour. The devil loves for people to be lost in the world. And don't get me wrong. We should be calling people out of that. But the devil likes it, I think, even more to have unconverted people in his church, in God's church. Some of the most harm, the most damage that is done to the kingdom of God isn't done by profanity. It isn't done by saying the wrong things or swear words. But some of the worst damage done to the kingdom of God is done by us. Because we profess to be Christians. We profess to be Seventh-day Adventist Christians. But are we living up to our name? That's what we call a hypocrite, right? When the word hypocrite first came into the English language, it wasn't used really in a um, biblical sense. But it was used in reference to actors. They called actors hypocrites back in the days before the King James Version was made. Are you an actor today? Am I an actor? You know, some of us are really good actors. But if I profess to have the message of God, that's a responsibility, isn't it? And it's a responsibility that we shouldn't take lightly. Do we have a pure message? What do you think? We have a pure message, don't we? Do we serve a pure God? We do, don't we? If we have a pure message and we have a pure God, we should be pure people. And the only way, brothers and sisters, that we're going to be pure people is not by keeping the commandments, although that's good, but we need to be keeping the commandments through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. He's our only ticket to be pure. Let's not be actors. Let's not say all the right things and desecrate God's name by acting another way. 
but let us truly know that we are Christians. Amen? In 1888, and that date will spark a lot of different things, and I'm not here to talk about that controversy, but in 1888, at the General Conference, there was a big tent that was put up and there were some meetings taking place there. And after the meetings were over, there were about four pastors that were there in that tent and everyone had gone away and they were cleaning up and tidying up the tent for the next day. And a tall stranger came into that tent. He was about six foot tall, maybe six foot one. He had a nice sharp suit on. He just was well put together. And this stranger came into the tent and he zeroed in on one particular pastor and started to ask this pastor questions. Now, pastors are pretty used to questions. And so the question started talking with this stranger and answering his questions in a very pleasant manner. But as that gentleman began to ask that pastor more and more questions, they started to get more pointed. And finally, that pastor answered a question and the stranger said, well, I have to disagree with you on that. I believe this way. And that pastor's sweet spirit that he once had changed and he started to have a spirit of argument and debate and he started to call the stranger out that he didn't even know who he was. And after a few minutes of debate, the pastor started to get a little bit nasty and he told this stranger this, you cannot meet the argument, you may as well just leave. the stranger looked at that pastor and said something very bold. And this is what he said. You are no minister of Jesus Christ. You are a controversialist, sir. Ouch. What does it mean to be a controversialist? Somebody that seeks controversy, right? Somebody that might present truth, but in an argumentative way to kind of beat someone over the head with it, right? Do you think that that's a false witness as well? Do you think that that might be taking the word of God or the name of the Lord in vain if we present his truth in a wrong light? Absolutely, right? The word of God isn't something that should be presented as a debate or a controversy, but is something that will give us love, joy, and hope. Amen? Well, the stranger answered and said, You are no minister of Jesus Christ. You're a controversialist, sir. The minister just chuckled, let it roll off his back and said the same thing. You can't meet my argument. Well, the tall stranger said the exact same thing again. You are no minister of Christ. You're a controversialist. This happened three times. Until finally, this tall stranger pointed out another pastor in the room and said this. That is a true minister of Christ. And then he left. That was it. Now, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty incredible story. But Sister White was present at that camp meeting in 1888. And this was told to her. And Sister White just smiled. And she said this, That was no tar- tall, dark stranger. That was an angel. Can you imagine how that pastor must have felt? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in his shoes being told by an angel of God that I was not a minister but a controversialist? Brothers and sisters, we have all been called to be ministers of Christ. Amen? Maybe not in the status as a pastor, but we have all been called to minister unto people. And we need to present that message in its purity, in its truth, and in a loving way.
Amen. Not as a controversy, not as a debate, but how Christ did. Amen. And the only way that we can do that is if we have Christ help us. You know, I believe that we as Christians, we have our work cut out for us. Amen. We have a lot of work to do. As a local church in Bristol, we have a lot of work to get done, don't we? But has Christ given us the tools? He gave us the Holy Spirit, didn't he? We read it last night with Brother Chad. He said that in in Matthew, it says that how much power was given unto us? All of it. Do you want to access all of that power? The only way that we can access that power is if we live in the presence of God. We cannot be hot or cold, but we must be hot. Amen. When people are cold... They don't just sit outside and say, well, I'll wait for summer to come around again. But when people are cold, what do they do? They get inside and go to the arms fireplace, right? I mean, that thing lit me on fire last night. That thing was warm. But you go sit by the fire, right? And you warm up. So many people today, and I believe Christians today as well, are saying, I feel spiritually dead. I feel spiritually cold. You don't have to show your hands, but have you ever felt like that before? I just feel spiritually blah. Well, you're not going to get hot unless you go into the presence of God. Amen? If you want a cure for being cold spiritually, then bask in the presence of God for a little while. Spend some time on your knees and in prayer. And I guarantee you that after you go away from the throne of God, that He will have lifted you up. Amen? Let's not profane the Word of God, but let's lift it up. Amen. And the only way we can do that is if Jesus holds our hands every step of the way. Isn't it amazing as we look through these commandments one by one that they're guidelines to have a better relationship with Jesus? Is that a blessing to know? Amen. Praise the Lord. I just want to do something very quickly as we end here. I wasn't going to do this, but I think that we should. Um, there's a few people in our midst that this past week have been feeling convicted to be baptized. Amen? And um, I would like those two people to come up, and I'd like the elders, all the elders in the church to come up. I think we should have a prayer over them. Amen? Because when someone makes that commitment, the devil's going to attack. Am I right? The Lord is right. Amen? So we need to have a prayer over them. But not just them. We're also going to be having a marriage, um, not this Sunday, but next, right? And I'm not going to be here next Sabbath. But I think that you two as well should come up and we'll have a word of prayer for you and kind of calm the bride's nerves down a little bit too. (laughs) Amen. So if you four would come up, James and the others as well, and we can have all the elders in the room come up as well, that would be a blessing. We'll come up as well, Justin. Let's have a word of prayer over them. Father, Lord, we thank you so much for these young people that have committed their lives to Christ. Father, we know that it's not an easy choice, and in the past few months I have seen their lives transform. Father, continue to be with them. Bless them, Father. And as they make this transition to truly being known as a Christian, Father, we ask that you would protect them and that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. Father, I also ask that you would be with Holly, be with Alan as well, Lord. You would bless them in their upcoming decision to join together in a marriage. Father, don't just be with them on their wedding day, because that's just the beginning. 
but we would be with them throughout all of the time after that day as well. May they live a life that is close to you, and as they grow closer to you, Father, we know that they will grow closer to each other. So, Father, be with these men and women here up front, that when you would continue, we know that you are consistent, and help them to be consistent in following you in the way that they should go. This we pray in your name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.